Father, we pray that you would accomplish what you want in each of our lives today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, Jesus would be exalted and his kingdom would be expanded because of what happens in this room right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I have uh, up here in this bag something that no human eye has ever seen before and no human hand has ever touched before is in that bag. Now, you might think about what that could be. What could it be that no human eye or human hand has ever touched? Well, you're thinking, wait a second, how's that? Well, once I peel the peel off this banana, you now, human eyes for the first time ever are seeing this banana. And a human hand for the first time ever is touching this banana. And a human mouth is eating this banana. Now, if I wouldn't have taken the peel off of that, then the banana would have never been able to be, have been a benefit to anyone. Because I did peel it, it was able to benefit someone, in this case, me. Now, here's the truth about us as believers. Every one of us has gifts and talents and passions inside of us. And yet, not all Christians really open themselves up and are willing to pursue using those gifts and talents, finding out how they can serve and how they can bless other people. And a lot of Christians just keep it all under wraps and never really let it out. And I've, I've thought oftentimes over the years of ministry, I've thought, why is it that some Christians are willing to do the work and uh, to find out what their gifts and you know talents and passions are and then really make sure that they use them for the glory of God. Why is it some do that and some don't? Some don't really make the effort. They don't pursue it. Why is it? And I think the answer is that I think people do what makes sense to them. And for some Christians, it's made sense to try to discover what your spiritual gifts are, what talents you can bring to bear, and how you can really glorify Christ in the, you know, highest possible way. And some Christians, for, somehow, for some reason, it hasn't made sense to them, and that's why they haven't done it. And so this morning, my hope is, is that after we see what Jesus has to say about this, that it'll make perfect sense to all of us. All of us in this room and all of us watching online. And Jesus actually does address this very subject in Matthew chapter 25. And I want to go ahead and read that passage. It tells a parable, Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. Many of you know it as a parable of the talents. Many of you might be very familiar with it, but I'd like you to try to listen to it today like it's the first time you've ever heard it. Matthew 25, starting verse 14, Jesus says this, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. 
To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I've gained you five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And to the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. His master said, well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow. The, the, the force here is you knew, did you? That I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him. And give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And you'll have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now I want to focus on just three themes or three threads that run through this story and some of you have never heard this story before. Some of you have heard it many times. But I think all of us should know the simplicity of the story, but also be able to just break it up into these three themes. The first one. The first theme is this. God has entrusted talents to you. And he expects, he expects you to invest them for his profit. God has entrusted talents to you and he expects you would invest them for his profit. Now, the master in this story, I want you just to picture, he gathers these three servants or employees, we could say, and he gives them, I mean, vast sums of money. I want you to imagine bags of gold if you really want to come closer to what's happening in this story. It's really kind of hard to even translate this because he gave them talents as they measure. Talent, a talent was equal to about 15 years of a worker's wages. Try to imagine 15 years of your wage, all in one lump sum. And that's what was one talent. I want you to just think about big bags of gold that he's giving to his servants to invest while he's gone. 
He's not giving it to them just for them. He's, he's giving it to them to invest while he is gone. So it's a vast sum of money. And there would have been this informal arrangement that they will be able to share in the profits of that investment. They'll invest it and give it back to the master for his profit, but they will share in the profit. So vocationally, organizationally, financially, the master is actually giving each of these three the chance of a lifetime. I mean, this is the chance of a lifetime. Now, the first servant recognizes it's a chance of a lifetime because it says that the one who received the five talents went off at once, or your translation may say immediately. I mean, the point being, he realized this is a chance of a lifetime. I'm not wasting any time. Immediately, I want to invest this. He responded at once. In fact, I think he realized it would be insane to do anything to keep him from really, you know, maximizing his profit. This is a chance of a lifetime. Now, as we interpret this parable and you think about the talent of money, think about what God has given you to invest. Think about, you know, your money, your time, your mind, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, Uh, Just think about all that you have been given by God to invest. And we've been doing this series on stewardship. I like to begin every year by taking a few weeks to talk about being a steward of this year. So we talked about stewarding our money. We've talked about stewarding our time. We've talked about stewarding our citizenship. And I want to focus primarily on gifts and talents, our abilities, that we can invest as we look at this parable. Now, it's interesting that in Jesus' story here, there are, there are no, no talent people in this story. And there's no no talent people in this room. And there's no no talent people online right now with us. He's entrusted to you everything that you need to fulfill his purpose for your life. He's entrusted to you, what you were created to do. And what's interesting, he doesn't, God doesn't expect any of us to live someone else's life. He doesn't expect any of us, he's not going to ask us one day, how did you do with somebody else's gift or somebody else's opportunity? He's going to ask us what we did with what he entrusted to us. And that brings us to the second major thread in the story, and it really is a thread about the theme of accountability. And this story is quite clear that the Lord, although he is gone for a long time, it's interesting he emphasizes that in the story, the master's gone for a long time. Even though he emphasizes that, the master is coming back. It's really going to happen. It really happened in the story, and it's really going to happen for us. He is really coming back. But Jesus says in verse 19, after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. So there's an accounting. That leads us to the second theme. The second theme is simply this. The Lord will return one day and judge you and me on how we did with what he gave us. There is going to be an accounting. We're going to have to give an account for what we did with what he gave us to invest for his profit. And the Lord is really serious about uh, what we do with this, what we give us. And so the first servant, he saw this as an opportunity of a lifetime. He invested, and he made a profit for his master. 
Second servant did the same thing. Then we get to the third servant in this parable, and the story starts to get really kind of ugly. I'll just read again verse 24, 25. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. I'll give it back to you. Now, you need to understand that the real issue here is that the servant is trying to evade accountability for his life. That's what this is all about. These excuses are all about he's trying to evade giving accountability. Here's what he's basically saying to the master. Don't blame me. It's your fault. I thought you were a certain way, and that's why I did what I did. So in fairness, you shouldn't be upset with me. I just didn't understand what you wanted. How many people are like that today? Always have an excuse. It's always someone else's fault. It's God's fault. Well, that will not work on this day. I want you to notice that the master does not respond by saying, oh, I see you didn't understand. I'm sorry. I should have been more clear. No, the master doesn't say that. And the master doesn't say, you know, I know life is hard and you were very busy and you didn't have time to invest what you had for my prophet. I understand, so never mind about this judgment. He doesn't say that. And the master doesn't say, you know, since I only gave you a little bit of talent, I really didn't expect you to do much with it anyway, so don't worry about burying it. He doesn't say that. What he does say is really kind of shocking. He says, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I did not scatter? He's saying basically this, if you really thought I was that way, if you really did, if you really thought I was this harsh, unfair, demanding person, you would have at least done something with it, at least put it in the bank and got interest for it. What Jesus is really pointing out here is, you know, this whole response of the third servant or employee is a smokescreen. He's trying to evade accountability. He does not really give one valid reason for his inaction because there isn't one. So the master's saying, uh, you can't finesse your way out of this judgment. You can't. You can't talk your way out of this one. And you can't claim you misunderstood me. See, everyone is going to bear appropriate responsibility for their lives. All of us are on that day. The master is going to have a time of accounting for each one of us. It's really going to happen. It's going to be the most real moment we've ever experienced, and we're going to stand before him and give an account. And so you and I will be accountable for what we did with what he gave us. Now, here's what's something I think is pretty extraordinary and quite sobering. That the third servant is not judged at that accounting for doing bad things. He's judged for doing nothing. 
He's not judged for stealing or embezzling or defrauding his master. He's judged for doing nothing with what the master gave him, for the profit of the master. Again, verse 26, you always want to notice when Jesus uses an adjective, pay attention to it because he's careful with the words he chooses. Wicked and lazy. You know, this might be called the story of the sin of the willful refusal, refusal to develop and use the good gifts God's given you for the profit of the Lord himself, the giver. So I just want you to think for a second. Just let's all just kind of do a little personal inventory. Think about what you've been given. What has God given your life? Assess your life and think about what it is that you could invest in the kingdom that you have at your disposal. What is it? You know, is, you know what, you, what is it? I'm thinking I'm primarily focusing on gifts and talents. We, we've, we focused on money and time, but I want to focus primarily on what kind of abilities do you have that you're not investing are there any? Are there any abilities or any talents? Are there any gifts that you're not investing for, his, for his, his profit? Is there any service you could offer that you're just not willing to offer? I just want you to assess for a moment your life. Is there anything that you, in, in all honesty, is there any gift or talent you've buried? You just buried it. You're not using it. Or maybe you retired it prematurely. I got to tell you with no apologies, investing everything you have for the kingdom of God, for his profit, is the greatest thing you can really do with your life. There is nothing that compares with it, and there's nothing that will compare. The Lord will reward each one of us based on how we invested what he gave us. That is what that accounting is about. What did you do with what I gave you? So when the master comes back and he finds Faithful servants, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. I mean, you've got these words of commendation, the offer of this everlasting joy. And then, I mean, it's just as wonderful. But then he says something else. Before I say what he does say, you know, he doesn't say, let me point out what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, well done, good and faithful slave. Now, you can now float on fluffy clouds. And you can sing in the same choir, the same songs for 10,000 billion years. He doesn't say that. He says, you've been trustworthy a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. In Luke chapter 19, he says, I'll put you, put, he said to one, I'll put you in charge of 10 cities. He says to another, I'll put you in charge of five cities. He says, now it's time for you to get onto your real work. And your real work in the kingdom to come is you will be ruling something. You will be ruling things. You will be in charge of something. In fact, in Revelation 3, verse 21, Jesus says to the one who overcomes, the one who continues to hold on to faith to the end, he says, I'll give you a place with me on my throne. This is a picture. What do you do from a throne? You rule. You're in charge. In other words, I'm going to let you rule with me in the kingdom to come. You're going to be partnering with me in my work in a great adventure, and it's going to be a you know, ruling 
ruling position. I mean, so really, this, this, job, I mean, this life here is like the, kind of, like the qualifying round for the championship tournament. It's like the internship for the real job. It's like the warm-up for the main event. This is not all there is. This is, I mean, there's something that we are going to be, it's a judgment day for the Christian that we're going to then be given the next assignment. That's going to be something just that will just blow all of our minds when we're finally given it. And that leads us to the third theme. The third theme is how we live now is everything to do with what God will sign to us in the kingdom to come. Now, again, I got to emphasize that getting into the kingdom to come, getting into heaven is the same for everyone. It's all about repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So, so getting into heaven is the same for everyone. It's through Christ, faith in Christ. But, every, but, but everyone's experience in heaven will not be the same. This is important that we understand this. Everyone will not have the same experience forever. Everyone will not have the same job. Everyone will not have the same rewards. Everyone will not have the same commendation. Everyone won't, everyone won't have the same forever. How we live right now as a Christian, how we invest the gifts and talents that we've been given has everything to do with what will be assigned in the kingdom to come. Most Christians, even though it's clearly taught in this parable, most Christians do not even, that doesn't even register in the way they view the Christian life. And it has everything to do with how I'll live forever. And it will be a ruling, a ruling assignment. We will, it will be glorious. It will be important. And it will all be determined by our faithfulness and fruitfulness right now. Now, the parable ends on a pretty sobering note. Jesus tells us what happens to the guy who didn't invest his talents and profit for the glory of the master. He buried it. So what happens to him? Jesus says what happens, happens to him. I'll read it again. Matthew 25, starting 28. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And listen to this. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The gnashing of teeth is, is, is regret. It's like, oh, no, oh, I should have, but I didn't. Now, why does this servant get judged and sent to hell? Is he sent to hell for bearing his talent? Yes. But why? But why does he bury his talent? Now, we've already seen that he doesn't know what the master is really like. He doesn't know what he's like. In fact, he really doesn't know the master. Remember in Matthew 7 where Jesus tells some very surprised people that, who think they're getting into heaven, he, he tells them, depart from me, I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. Their lawless deeds were evidence that they never knew the Lord. There's a connection. Those who don't know the Lord course, don't get into heaven. You don't get into heaven without knowing them. It's all about faith. Remember Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe to be saved, right? 
Now think about it for a moment. If, if you had a wheelbarrow full of money to invest and you really believe the master's going to come back and judge you because he promised he would, he said he would, he's going to come back and you're going to get to share in the profits. If you believed that, then you would do something with that. If you believed it. The only reason you wouldn't do it is you don't believe it. Maybe you don't believe the master will keep his word. Maybe you don't believe the master is even real. Maybe you don't believe that he's going to actually reward you, whatever. But somewhere there is just this unbelief. There's unbelief. That's why he buried a talent. So the wicked, lazy slave is an unbelieving slave. And he doesn't know the master. And because he doesn't know the master, he doesn't serve the master. And bearing the talent is evidence of not believing in and knowing the master. That's what it is. Now, some professing Christians will justify their non-involvement in all kinds of ways. The largest religious demographic in Arlington, Texas, are those who claim to be born-again Christians but don't go to church anywhere and will serve the Lord anyway. But they've, they've made their decision. They've lived up. They got their ticket to heaven. And most of them have buried their talent. And most of them are going to have a rude awakening one day. Well, mark it well, though, you know, most, Christ, most professing Christians are going to try to justify their non-involvement, a lack of service in all kinds of ways. And all that really, though, again, is trying to evade accountability and it won't work. The third servant buries his talent because he doesn't believe. I just want to emphasize that. And then he's cast into hell. I mean, what a sobering ending to a parable. Now, I believe, I believe that most of the people in this room, I believe most that are watching online, I believe most of you are, the, are like the first two servants. I believe most of you take seriously your commitment to Jesus and serving with what you have for his profit. But I, and I was thinking about that this week, about after we finished, you know, Pro-Life Sunday last Sunday, I was thinking about, about babies being born. And I was thinking, what about baby being born? And right when he enters the birth canal, what if going through his mind was, golly, my life's almost over now. And I never really distinguished myself from other feti. I never had all these experiences I hoped to have and how it's coming to an end. I mean, wouldn't you like to, you know, you want to say to him, wait a second, little guy, don't you understand? Life's just beginning. I mean, you've got a great adventure. You're about to have all kinds of experiences that are glorious. It's going to be fantastic. You're just starting. The gun's just going off. The race is beginning. You see, the truth is the kingdom to come is like that for us. We're, when we actually approach death in this, on this earth, I mean, we're, just, we're about to enter into the, the greatest new experience ever to come. And all this right now, I mean, we're, 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 we're getting opportunity to it for investment of a lifetime and then we're going to have partnership with the king of kings and lord of lords and a glorious ruling assignment forever what an adventure i mean some way that we're going to be ruling in the cosmos with a king of kings you know just i think if if you if you get this i mean if you get this then it's got to make sense to you then to say i'm willing to serve i'm willing to find out my gifts are my talents i'm willing to com- commit i'm willing to sacrifice i'm willing to do that why because it makes sense to do that in light of what's coming it makes perfect sense to do that
So I believe it makes perfect sense to live this day in light of that day. Live every day in light of that day. That day when we give an account. Because it's really going to come. It's really going to happen. Jesus told us so. And Jesus always tells the truth. So, I'm wrapping up this little four-week series of being good stewards. Be a good steward with your money. Invest it for the kingdom. Be a good steward with your t- steward of your time. Make sure you're wise with it. Redeem it. Why? Because there is a gravitational pull to misuse it. Waste it. Be a good steward of being a citizen, being salt and light in this country. And be a good steward of your gifts and talents. Why? Because it will matter forever. Let's stand for prayer. And I want to invite the worship team back up here. There's a song that I think uh, that I really like. Uh, perhaps we've, we've used it a lot. Larry and I were talking about maybe we've used this song too much. The song is simply, I Surrender. But as we've got our first month of 2022 behind us, and now we've got the rest of the, the year ahead of us, that we, just, that we just have a time and as we close and say, okay, Lord, I'm, wherever you're at in your spiritual life, I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering myself fully to you again this year. I want, I want all I have, all you've given to me, money, time, talents, gifts, what abilities, everything, opportunities, I want to surrender them for your profit. So as we close, let's just sing that as a prayer to the Lord, each one of us.
Father, we do ask, we ask for the grace, Lord, all of us, to really know what you've given to us, to invest. I pray there would be no confusion on anyone's part, that you would give us revelation understanding on how you've gifted us, abilities and talents, and how we can invest them. And then you give us, Lord, would you just by your spirit enable us to bring much profit to the Lord Jesus Christ, his glory and honor. So, Lord, we pray this week as we dismiss that you would just guide us by your spirit and use us to shine a light of Christ and shatter the darkness everywhere we go. Now, before you do go, if you're here for the first time, Tracy and I would love to meet you over in this welcome area. Also, we have Connection Corner, staff will answer any questions you have. And if you have a prayer need, come on down front. We'll have some leader couples that will be glad to pray for you. God bless you. You're dismissed.